Welcome back, everybody, and good morning, and welcome to Live Longer, the podcast, which we're doing in conjunction with Homerton Changemakers Programme at Cambridge University. And hand in hand with Iona, a digital healthcare company I set up with a number of colleagues to enable people live longer, healthier lives. Now, today's interview is inspired by a visit I had to a wonderful garden in Somerset recently. And this lady that I'm going to interview is very spiritual. She describes herself as colourful, eccentric and spiritual. And she is an artist and is hosting art therapy in her garden. Now, her garden has graced the covers of Landscaped magazine. It's been featured in the Sunday Telegraph and a number of other major publications for its beauty, its peace, its tranquility and its colour and vibrancy, which are really all key components, this wonderful lady's heart and soul. And I think interviewing her is going to be a really good stepping stone into understanding how we can bring nature into our lives and help us to live longer, healthier lives and what we can do to slow down and to change and to embrace nature at its best, to embrace a longer, fuller life. So join me in welcoming Penny Horn. Penny, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so pleased to be invited. Well, it's lovely to have you and thank you for giving up your morning. And we had a couple of full starts, didn't we, with the Great Western Railway strike or problems with the trains last week. But we're finally made it here and I'm so excited to be interviewing you today. No, I'm excited too. Good. And we had um, a number of discussions as preparation for this interview, didn't we? And and in fact, as I mentioned in my intro, I went down and visited your garden and I was overwhelmed with the colour and the beauty and the peace. And as I drove away, I wondered, you know, if you'd like to tell, you know, my listeners, as you told me about what inspired this tranquility and this peace in your garden and and where it all came from, what what started it? Well, I think it was really when I, um, you know, I had four sons very close together and my whole life was taken up looking after them. And I'd married a man that was an alcoholic. So I ended up just putting my life and soul into my children, into running the house and just being busy, 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 busy. I mean, you know, there was, you know, it was like army manoeuvres sort of moving one lot over there. One was going to tennis, one was going to cricket. One, So I was doing, I did that for so many years, for sort of 20 odd years. And then I had a party down in Somerset. I ended up getting divorced and then had a party down in Somerset. And a friend just said to me, you don't look happy and it was the first time anybody had ever said anything to me that really, that you know, at that time, that really went in. And I just thought, what is happy? What does that mean? So he invited me to his house and said, come on, let's just do a little exercise. And he got out this big piece of paper. And on the paper, he had a big heart. It was a great piece of wallpaper. And there was a big heart in the middle. And it said, who am I? And he sat with me for three hours. Whereas if he'd have just said to me, go home and do that as homework, I wouldn't have done it. I'm not a homework person. I'm not an intellect. I don't read anything. I'm terrible like that. But he sat with me for three hours and went through every detail of my life. And at the end of three hours, he said, I think we've done enough now. He said, but you haven't told me, who are you? And I I just thought, oh, my God. You see, he said, you told me who you are to everything and everybody else, but you haven't told me who you are. And I just burst into tears and I just said, I have no idea. And so he said, what do you think you need to do? 
I said, oh, I don't know, go away on my own because I'd always organized women's trekking trips and, you know, we'd gone in the mountains and been all over the world. And um, he said, no, you need to go away on your own. And I thought, oh, a two-week, you know, spa holiday or something. <laughs> and then he said, no, no, no. He said, you need to go away for a year and a day without speaking to anybody at home and without making any new friends. And I was like, oh, but what about all this stuff? You know, because I just told him I got donkeys, cows, sheep, pigs. I'd got, you know, children. I'd got all, all the different things that I was doing in my life. And he said, no, we'll, we'll, I'll sort that out for you. And he said, right, we'll put that there. You can sell those. You can take those to market. You can do this. You can do that. And within three months, I was on that flight and I went out to Bali. I spent three months in Bali, three months in California, three months in Bali, three months in California. And I was blessed to be able to have afforded to do it. And I just did an inward seeking. I mean, I was just looking at myself and I did um, in Bali, it was very spiritual and I joined um, an Al-Anon group, which is a 12-step group, which is what you do when you've when you've been in a family of alcoholism. And that really, really helped me. So I did sort of 90 meetings in 90 days. And that was a 12-step thing. And now I'm doing the ACA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics and, and Dysfunctional Families. But it's all combined with the 12 steps, which has really, really opened me up. And then in California, I just did lots of spiritual stuff, lots of Buddhism. And it was the first time I ever felt freedom. It was the first time in my life that I could step out of where I was staying, where nobody knew where I was staying. I could either walk, I could run, I could cycle, I could go left, I could go right, I could go back to bed. I thought this is just incredible because I suddenly realized what it was I enjoyed rather than what other people enjoyed me doing with them, or I enjoyed doing it with other people just to please the other people. And being a people pleaser. That was a real, really big thing of mine. And so now, having done that, I came back and it was really interesting because I I sort of had space. You know, nobody really knew where I was. Everybody sort of thought, oh, she's had a nervous breakdown, but I thought it was actually probably more like a breakthrough. And um, it just cleared up. It was really, really interesting. And, and it was just a real gift to myself. And that's where I thank being married to an alcoholic and having four very manic, exciting, wonderful boys, but it was full on bringing them up. So, um, yeah, it was it was an amazing thing to come back and then have the space that would, I'd made to be able to go away and then start creating the space. Interesting. Well, so getting your freedom and somebody giving you permission to be free and to enjoy yourself was really what gave you this breakthrough and, and helped you to start life all over again, really, was it, Penny? Yes, that was exactly it. It was somebody giving me the permission. I just, I hadn't really ever looked at it like that before. And somebody said, no, you need to go away for a year and a day. And I just thought, wow, that's, it was reminding me of Eat, Pray, Love. Exactly. And, I love and, that movie. And I was sort of thinking, yeah, I love the movie. And I sat in lots of little cafes in Bali sort of watching it because I was almost in her footsteps going to see different healers and just seeing incredible things that I would never, ever have believed, you know, sort of. It was just miracles. It was miracle after miracle. And I just, it just opened me up to believing that there's so much more than what we actually see. And it's that feel it, the feelings and, and just really being in tune with, with nature and what really can happen. And, and that's what really 
inspired me was just the miracles that I saw. And I was just so blessed to be in the places that I was in placed in. And I think me and my nature, it was almost like just follow any sort of lead. So where I was staying, they um, had little motorbike men that would just take you around on a motorbike because I'm so dyslexic that I I can't ride a motorbike because I just put the accelerator. I always push the handles forward when I want to go forward and then back when I want to brake. And of course, it's the it's the other way around. So I'd be running ducks over and goodness knows what. So I was lethal. So the hotel people would take me around on a motorbike and we'd just go exploring the whole of Bali and end up in the most bizarre places and and incredible ceremonies, funerals. And yeah, it was it was fantastic. So you had adventure as well. So it started off with freedom, the permission to be free, this engagement with nature. But now I'm hearing that you had a sense of adventure and your story must resonate with so many women, many women who will probably tune in today to listen to this, who feel maybe trapped, who have got divorced. I I have sadly got divorced myself and I've had to embrace a new me and, and, and I too have found myself. So your story resonates with me, although I didn't have the same circumstances as you, but there are so many women out there who feel trapped, who don't have the freedom. And so did you then try and bring, almost bottle that sense of freedom and and transpose it into your garden? Is that what you were trying to do to help other people when you came back and started your beautiful garden? It wasn't intentional, but it ended up being that way. I sort of came back and I just immersed myself in the garden, doing little projects, little art projects in the garden, bringing the inside of the house outside, you know, all the different things I'd collected in my travels beforehand. I was able to put in the garden and 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 then doing little things that I'd learned in Bali, you know, just putting under, you know, if you put a stone down, putting a little prayer under the stone, just saying, may anybody that walk on this stone feel graceful happy you know healthy and so I just have everywhere in my garden has got little hidden messages and hidden pieces of art that people come across or don't they just step on them and don't realize that there's something underneath it but it's that intention I think it's the intention that you put into what you're doing and it's just having that that intention that when everybody anybody comes here they always say that they feel that they've been on a sort of retreat because it's so peaceful and and I think it is the energy I've got gongs and singing bowls and you know I'm always I lit my altar before I came on this interview and I've got different incense burning and so it sort of spreads and I'm doing it outside as well and if I plant anything I normally sage it and ask the ground if it wants to be dug up and whether this is the right place to put this plant so it's just an intention. I mean, I've got no idea of the names of plants, but I I look at the colours, I know where the spaces are, and I find the right colour, the right time of year, and put that in and and then just do little prayers and, and it just seems to be that it all it all just thrives. Well, this feeling of intention, I think, is important because, you know, you've grown, you've got the freedom, the adventure, you've come back, you're doing good for other people. And also you're 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 putting out to the universe that you want to feel well. Um, is that part of your intention? This this feeling, you know, that you're, you're putting it out there, what you how you want to live your life. And does that help you live a better life? Yes, I think it really does. I've sort of done a meditation garden and I I meditate every morning and it really does bring me back to myself rather than, you know, I've sort of, you know, speaking of my 
12 step things. It's always like a higher power, knowing that I want to do good for others rather than just always be selfish and be it for myself. So it's giving and sharing a space that I've created. And so we've got different things that are happening now because we had lockdown. I used to do Airbnb, but I'm now doing more sort of courses because I've got a sort of yoga, yoga shed and, and different things like that. So it's a real you know, people are coming in and then saying, oh, can we use this space? And then I've got a sound healer coming in. I've got a shaman that comes in every full moon and new moon. And then I invite people around. And so people just come and, and are here. But but what I was saying earlier was that I'm hoping that, that we're going to start doing things like people coming and just being able to sit in the garden and just walk around the garden and do poetry, art, meditation, and just encourage people to be with themselves rather than coming with a group. It's almost like come on your own and give yourself the time just you know for perhaps an hour or two hours because I think people just become so busy they don't feel themselves it's it's you know and I, I feel really grateful that I mean it's not it's not always easy but it is just being able to be on my own not being busy not having to do things all the time and and I find that's just it's like a breath of fresh air. I sort of out with my puppy this morning and it was just so beautiful feeling the sun, feeling, mm. you know, just feeling things. Whereas normally I'd be busy chatting to a friend or doing something else. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm missing so many things. Well, you're, you're talking about slowing down here, which I think the pandemic has brought to everybody, haven't you? Um, just describe this beautifully. And you're giving other people a space because not everybody is fortunate to have a beautiful garden or be able to go off to Bali. So you're bringing a little bit of Bali back and you're giving back for that gift that you got where you discovered yourself, your freedom and your sense of purpose. And now you're putting that intention to help other people, which I think is incredible. And hopefully many people will benefit. Yes, I hope so, because I, I, I was just following my nose when I was traveling. So I, you know, I sort of spent two weeks with Ram Dass, which was incredible. And then I was with Thich Nhat Hanh, and I was able to go and see all these incredible spiritual teachers and leaders and, um, and be able to pick, whereas before I used to just do everything 100%, like I'd go and see a guru and it would have to be, I'd have to do everything that he said and and this was the way you had to do it. And then I suddenly realized actually I could pick a bit of that and a bit of this and just take different things from different people and and find myself, which it took a long time. I think it took 60 years to actually find out who I really was <laughs> and what really, you know, gets me moving and 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 the things I get enthusiastic about. And, you know, art is one of the things. And there is a sense of art and colour in your garden. When I went down this, you know, in your meditation shed, it's painted purple and there's the wonderful flowers. And can you describe your favourite colour and what that means to you? I think most of my colours come from India. I mean, my travelling in India was always the most, my favourite place in the world. And just seeing groups of women in their saris and just seeing all the colours that they put together. And I think for me, that was like, yeah, that's that's what I'm good at. I, I really feel that I have a gift with colour and I'm not afraid of it. So I think bringing it into the garden, you know, even in the winter, you know, underneath the little I've got a little sort of lean to, but I've got an old Indian painting under there. And on the Indian painting, I then stuck Indian fabrics on as her clothes and jewellery around her neck. And and it actually gets nicer as it 
as it gets older, as the elements get to it, it sort of fades, moss grows on it, and there's different things that happen. And and I enjoy that. It's that kind of thing that art becomes part of the wall, in fact, you know. And, and I think I did sort of, we did Somerset's Art Week here about 12 years ago. And um, I'd collected Barbie and Ken dolls and um, I've got them climbing up and around a tree. But it is, it's just fascinating. And it's just beautiful seeing young children seeing it and sort of realizing that it's like a hundred Barbie dolls mm-hmm. or Barbie and Ken all the way up this tree. And and now they're all naked. <laughs> I'm going, oh, that, that that's, you know, all their clothes have gone. And it's amazing. I mean, it just looks and the moss and the ivy is growing over them. And it's just a beautiful beautiful piece of art. And I think that's what I like is letting things deteriorate and not worrying about keeping everything absolutely pristine. Mm. You know, in in between my paving stones on my patio, it's like if I break a plate, I go and put it in between the paving stones. So I've got all broken plates that, you know, because I know that every plate that I have, I love. So if anybody, if I break a plate or anybody breaks a plate, we then put it in the patio so I don't lose it it's keeping things and, and making things that I think, okay, they don't need to be in the house any longer. Let's put find a place in the garden for them. Well, that's interesting because that doesn't cost anything either. And I think, you know, as I keep saying, not everybody's fortunate to have beautiful outdoor space, but it's about making the most of the little things in life. And Dan White, a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer, photojournalist that I interviewed earlier in this series, told us, you know, stop, look up, look down, look around us. And that's what you can learn from a photographer. And now you're saying it in as an artist where the, your garden is your canvas. Stop, incorporate that garden into your everyday life and make it part of who you are and make it work for you. Yes, exactly. I, I, I've i got a friend that I, I've just been trying to tell her because she's got a little box garden, a tiny little stamp garden with, you know, sort of, you know, the brown fence around either side. And I said, just paint the fence. I said, just do whatever, just flick paint on it. But, it, you know, when you go out and you've got a brightly coloured shed or, you know, and then you've got the wall, you know, you feel like you're walking into a painting and it is just, it, it's just great. And if you don't like it, you can repaint it or you can have it brown and 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 sort of straight down with a bit of lawn down the middle. But I, I do think that it's bringing colour into our lives just makes you smile. Yeah, I heard that as well through Emma Rose, who I interviewed, and she told this very funny story where she painted her kitchen a magenta pink um, and then her stairs an orange colour, <laughs> which she felt was a mistake. So you're saying the same thing about your garden. And, you know, it doesn't cost a lot to buy a, a tin of paint and, and just do that or wear a brightly coloured shirt if you're feeling down, because mindful that um, over the last week we've had mental health week and how are people as we emerge from the pandemic going to help themselves feel a little better you've given us a few tips there now what about our children and and art therapy in school you you have some quite unique and innovative ways of um, teaching the teachers don't you Yes, I'm I'm part of this charity called Spider, which is Somerset Partnership Arts and Education Agency. And what they what they do is teach teachers how to teach art in schools because so many teachers go into teaching and, and then are told that they've got to teach this group of children, 35 children, art, and they've only really ever got their art GCSE. And it's like now trying to inspire the teachers in teaching the children. And I'm really proud pro that because I think, you know, so many people get 
you know, I've got so many friends that say, oh, I haven't got an, I haven't got an artistic bone in my body. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then when you start doing things with them, like I've had sort of felting courses and different things and, and, you know, they suddenly go, oh, yes, there is no wrong in this. There's no wrong in art. You know, you, whatever it is, a mistake. Most of my art comes from a mistake because I'm not a perfectionist. And and it's like, OK, let's splop there. And then you think, oh, I can just splash that. And I can remember going up um, into the garden with with my um, the mother of my grandson and um, her father came to visit and we went up and we were painting a bench and he was really painting carefully and you know it was all absolutely and then and I said no you don't need to worry about painting it carefully and so he's going no 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 I want to get this right and then I got the tins of paint out and then we're just splashing and he was like the look on his face was horrified but then he got into splashing the paint and he really really enjoyed it and my granddaughter came and did it as well and they just it's splashing paint over but lovely colors and then suddenly there's a piece of art there that now everybody comes to sit on and it's like something that that started off with him being a perfectionist and now I've just seen a picture of him with the most beautiful color cushions in his house and I think that inspired him to bring color into his garden well it's into his garden his garden furniture and he just thought right I'm going to do pink and green and I thought wow that was really out of character but it looks fantastic and I think he's really proud of it so yeah, I do really think that we have to be brave and just splodge it around and, you know, even doing mosaics. Mm. You know, it's such an easy thing to do on a small in a small space. Mm. That is fascinating. Be brave. I like that because you're giving yourself permission. Look how much you've grown from when you set off on that spiritual awakening and off to Bali and California, experimenting and having your adventure. And now you're coming back and you're you're teaching and you're you're growing all along. Do you think we by continuing to grow, it helps you stay younger? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because you have, you know, like yesterday, I went down to a garden and it was just inspirational. We went to Abbotsbury, the tropical garden there. And again, you walk in there and the chameleons are falling down and the bright colours of nature. And it was just the most beautiful, beautiful day. And and I think that's what keeps me going is you suddenly start wanting to look at other gardens and really picking up the little things that you can do in your own place. And you think, yeah, I could put that in there. I could do that there. That could be hidden under somewhere. Or, And I think that's the whole thing is it brings you out into the garden. And I think if anybody has got space, it's being able to just have a space that you know you can go and sit. Because before before I went away on my year and a day, I never sat in my garden because I'd always got things to do. It was always, you know, either feeding the donkeys, feeding the chickens, the sheep, you know, they needed dagging or whatever it was. There was always something that needed being done. And then suddenly to cut those things out of my life and simplify just gave me the time to just become creative and just love life. Every day I wake up and think, oh, what am I going to do today? And there's like hundreds of most fantastic things to do. And um, it's a matter of choosing which ones I'm going to prioritize with. I'm not great at prioritizing. I'm I'm sort of a bit in there here and a bit in there. But it, it's just fun. And it's not having to do. I feel that the, the having bit, you know, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And, um, you know, I think 
the should is a bad word because I'd, I'd had that all my life is that you should be doing this. You should do the job before you can relax. You should be doing this before you can do that. And I just let that go. I can remember when I was younger, my dad used to say, right, hit the tennis ball up against the wall 50 times before you can watch Man <laughs> from Uncle. And um, I'd be out there way after Man from Uncle had finished trying to hit the tennis ball up against the wall. But that was how I was brought up. So it was almost like you had to do the work before you could actually enjoy something. And I think that was a very big thing that I needed to change was not having to do something before I could have the fun. It's like have the fun and then the other stuff will just sort itself out. <laughs> Interesting. Well, enjoyment should be a natural thing is what you're saying. It isn't a reward. It is your entitlement is what I'm hearing. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Enjoy life. I think that's a message, you know, for everybody who's loved and lost is to enjoy what you have and hold on to it for as long as we, we can um, life. Well, listen, this has been fantastic. And anybody who's interested in seeing um, Penny's Garden landscape in, in just last April's edition showcases the garden most beautifully. And I can attest that in person, in real life, it's even more beautiful. I'm sure that Penny opens her garden every now and again um, for visitors, but I can highly recommend a visit in the labyrinth. And just to go down and immerse yourself in nature is just a beautiful thing. And I thank you so much, Penny, for coming on the show this morning and sharing your story and your wisdom and your insights for all the people out there who are listening this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you to my listeners for tuning in this morning. It's been a really, really interesting discussion. And I think it's very good to hear top tips from real people on how to live a longer, healthier life. And join me next week as I continue this discussion with Sundar Kander Walker, who's an art therapist. And we build on the theme of how art can help people heal and enjoy their lives more. And if you'd like to leave any feedback, please feel free to reach out to hello at livelongerthepodcast.com. We'd be grateful for any feedback that you have. Thanks for listening. See you next week.